As we can do here on the Unlimited Unloaded page, an extended version of Bulls Beat. This will be a fuller preview of the weekend's games, including highlights of basketball from Wednesday night because we didn't do show on Thursday. We were getting late back from Philadelphia. So some of the highlights, especially of the beginning of the second half for the men and the beginning of the game for the women. But before we get to that, yeah, not just the softball this weekend, but the basketball and if you're a fan of tennis... I would slide over to the tennis court Saturday afternoon if you can. Free admission. I would highly recommend it as the Bulls will be going up against one of the best teams in the country. Texas A&M is 12th in the latest ITA rankings, probably because they were around 19th and won two matches against top 25 Pac-12 teams as part of the ITA kickoff event, which, of course, the Bulls were a part of when they went to Athens and challenged Georgia but lost. So Texas A&M only dropped one point against UCLA and Arizona, and that was in doubles. That'll be at 1.30. The doubles begins then. And let's see. I either got to hope for the softball game to get really delayed or be over really quickly because if that tennis is still going on, I'm going to slide over there. But if you can work it out, try and check that out. I do know this is something that has been added, the visual element. Basically, if you go to the USF men's tennis and or women's tennis, depending on who's playing Twitter page, they put out the links and there's live video of all six courts, not with commentary or anything like that, not even with audio, but they have cameras set up at all six courts. So you can watch the action. And I know I'll be keeping an eye on that from the softball stadium. So that's Saturday at 1.30. And I told you how Sunday is going to be busy with the war on I-4 and women's basketball at 2 the softball game against the Gators at noon, also at noon, the start of conference play for women's tennis at home, going up against SMU, and that's a team that is three and two, but you look at the two losses, and they are both against top 10 teams, including the number one team in the country, Texas. So yeah, that's a quality opponent from the conference. We'll be keeping an eye on that, obviously. We talked a lot about golf on the Wednesday show after the women's team had that big rally to finish in fourth place in its season opener, and the men had four individuals finish one through four. Well, here's how strong Steve Bradley's team is. Only one of those four golfers is in his starting five for this event in Gainesville. The Gators Invitational, a 36-hole on Saturday, 18-hole on Sunday event at the Mark Bostic Golf Course. Actually, the Bulls are one of four ranked teams in the top 25. Gators are not ranked, but they've won this event 27 times, so they can be expected to challenge. Number three, Oklahoma State, who the Bulls run into a lot, tops the field from a rankings perspective. Then it's 23 LSU, 24 Liberty, and 25 your USF Bulls. Albin Bergstrom and Luke Gifford back for their fourth year, top the starting five. Then it's Run Yupreyong, the one golfer who competed at the event in Winter Garden, Shubi Jaglong, and then junior Ian Peng. So good luck to the Bulls over the weekend. Women's golf returns to action next month. Track and field in Chicago today and tomorrow for the Windy City Invitational hosted by the Wisconsin Badgers, which I'm trying to figure out. Either way, if you want to go to GoUSFBulls.com, an excellent preview article, which includes links to the schedule, basically. You can find when every event is going off, along with when the Bulls participants will be taking part. And again, it's indoors, so don't worry about the weather. That's the point of the indoor track and field season. We also stay nice and warm on basketball side of things, and that's probably good for the men because they are going to wichita to play tomorrow night we did not do a show on thursday because well we got back from philadelphia at 2 a.m instead of getting up early and cutting up two hours worth of highlights i figured we'd just play the games really it looked like they were going to revert back to what has happened as far as having bad 
ends of halves, and it really was a bad end to the first half as the Bulls were right there ahead, 24-22. With five minutes to go, you look up, the Bulls just score one more basket the rest of the way. Cincinnati sinks three threes, and you go from up two to down nine at the half, 35-26, and yet the Bulls take the lead, 40-38. to There's a jump shot quickly at the other end by Caleb Murphy from 15 feet. You wanted more points from their point guard, you got it. Yep, he's he's... He's their guy that can create instant offense. Jameer Chaplin, offensive rebound. He's stuck in the land of the Giants. Shot clock at three. Off the window and in. Jameer Chaplin, like a magician, gets out of the handcuffs and scores. I have no idea how he got that ball not only through the defense but off the glass. He must have found a sliver of an opening because he was trapped. And the shot clock was winding down. He barely got it off. Three minutes gone in the second half. Pulls down by a touchdown. 11 to go on the shot clock. Jameer, spin move. Loose on the floor. Picks it up. Finds Javon in the corner. Wide open for three. Let's fly. Yes! Javon Green gets the Bulls' first triple of the game. Julius with a jab step. Crossover. Goes to work on Chiwa. Not biting. Julius goes to the floor. Comes up. Tipped out of bounds by Corey Walker Jr. Was it touched by Cincinnati or not? It was! Look at that Bulls bench jump up and explode because the Bulls are getting stops. They're down four and now have the ball. Back to the right to Green. Open for three, didn't pull the trigger. Drives it into the paint. Around two guys, runs a guy over. It's a block. Counts his oh. shot. Javon Green with an old-fashioned three-point play. He took the body block from Aguama under the basket, ricocheted off that, threw it off the window and in. Green gets the rebound. A stop by the Bulls in a tie game. Cross-court pass to Green. Working on Hensley. Drives into the paint, kicks it to Sam Hines. He's going to shoot a 17-footer. Yes! Career high for Sam Hines in a Bulls uniform. Sam Hines' confidence is, is <laughs> you can see it, you can feel it. He is he is playing wonderful right now. USF has the lead, 40-38. to 38. Timeout, Cincinnati. But again, three-pointers. Cincinnati answers the Bulls' lead with 14 minutes to go with a three on the other end. Hit a three a couple of minutes later. And once again, the three-point shooting failing the Bulls. They were just one for nine. Cincinnati, 10 for 21. That was the difference. Bulls lose it 70 to 59. Wichita State, meanwhile, very solid team, just having a lot of tough luck this year. The Shockers are 12 and nine, three and six in the conference. Now get this, four of their nine conference games have been decided in the final minute, and they have lost all four of them. So three and six doesn't look good. Take half of those four games and flip them the other way, and they're above 500. You take all four of them, which is kind of a stretch, but you know they'd be seven and two in the league. The point is they're right there. They were right there against UCF on Tuesday night, but lost 71-66. Tyson Etienne is their leader. He scored 26 points in that game. He is the preseason player of the year. He averages 15 points. Craig Porter, the point guard, leads with 3.3 assists per game, two to one assist to turnover, and 26 steals. They also have the Eighth leading rebounder in the conference in Morris Daisy. Ricky Council comes off the bench and scores 11 points per game. And Dexter Dennis, who can also hit threes, is an outstanding defender. Well, you got Wichita State now on Saturday. That is always a tough place to play. It has been for the Bulls through the years. Uh, a lot of travel on the heels of back-to-back games here. You do have a little bit of time, and I'm, by that I just mean you have an extra day than what you've had in the <laughs> right. past. Uh, what do you do with that quote-unquote extra time? Well, you know, uh, again, we, we got to you know, do, our, do our preparation, and our guys in a one-day prep were very good today in our coverages, very good today in our coverages. A lot of their baskets, and to give them credit, a lot of their baskets were on one-on-one moves, uh, uh, a couple transition um, I didn't think we guarded the, 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 
the drive as well today. I thought Adams and and um, and Saunders got downhill a couple too many times, especially getting to their sweet spot on that on that left block. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll can't do a lot. You know what I mean? You can't do a lot. You got to try to get that tank full and and. Uh, get some body recovery in. We'll watch a lot of film to get ready for the game, maybe walk through some stuff tomorrow. And then hopefully on Friday, maybe get a little bit of time of some live action just to, to get the blood flowing again. And then we head on out to Wichita. Etienne is a handful. He's one of the best players in this league, if not the best. Yeah, you know, and, and I thought we did a much better job on DeJulius in the second half. Uh, I thought we, he was a little too comfortable in the first half. Um, so, you know, we're... we're he, this, this, it, it's, there's, there's no, one on every yeah, team. Yeah, 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 and there's more. <laughs> Some, a lot have more than one. A lot have more than one. Um, but, you know, I, you, you got to keep challenging guys. Uh, we got to put different guys on them. You know what I mean? We got to put different guys on them. And because of Cincinnati's size, sometimes it's a, it was a little harder for us to switch up on with, with um, Jameer and with Javon. And we did that with Dunn, and that was effective weren't able to do that as much tonight, might be able to do that a little more on Saturday. And oh yeah, the Warren I-4 is on Sunday. Bulls are a game and a half behind the women's basketball team and UCF. Got to push the other night, but beat Houston. Diamond Battle's already the leader on that team, has just been stunning from three-point range. She hit five of them in their loss to Cincinnati. She was four for six in their comeback win against Houston the other night. Knights are 17-3, and 9-1 and one in the conference. They put it on the Bulls in their meeting January 16th in Orlando. It was 7-0 before the Bulls attempted a shot. It was 67-51. They turned around and lost to Cincinnati. They've had several close games since that loss, but they have won all five of them. They are allowing just 50.5 points per game. That is third best in the country. Their three losses, you look at the loss to Tennessee, it was 49-41. Even giving up 69 points, which was a season high in a loss to Iowa, yeah, Iowa's one of the best scoring teams in the country, and that was 69-61. Their other loss to Cincinnati was 61-57. They have changed their starting lineup since they played the Bulls. They are going with Shania Mertens, who is a transfer from Clemson, originally from Winter Spring. She is not a scorer, but again, UCF does not pride itself on having quote-unquote scorers. They get their points off of forcing turnovers, and the Bulls saw that firsthand in Orlando. They've seen it before both Diamond Battles and Tay Sanders do average in double figures. And even though she has not been as prolific this year, you cannot forget about Alicia Lewis, who has burned the Bulls from three-point land before. She's only made 28 in 20 games, kind of a low number for her, and she has been removed from the starting lineup since that loss to Cincinnati. And Battles has really jacked up that scoring average to nearly 15 points a game. She was dynamite in their win against Houston the other day. And you'll hear what head coach Jose Fernandez said about them coming up here shortly. But first, some highlights of what the Bulls did on Wednesday night in Philadelphia. It was honestly not a pretty game, but the Bulls will take a win against a team that took them to overtime. And the main point was their defense. They held Mia Davis, the all-time leading scorer for Temple, who was averaging career highs in points and field goal percentage, to just 14 points on 6 of 21 shooting. And they were basically without their second best player, Alexa Williamson, coming off an ankle injury. She tried to play early, but could only go five minutes. And the Bulls hit three-point shots. It was kind of fool's gold because they hit their first one. Elisa Pinzon, who played the entire game, by the way, which is great to see after not playing in the fourth quarter in the loss to Tulane. 
Wide open on the left side for a three is Elisa Penzon, and what a great start that is for USF as Penzon and the Bulls, as you know, missed their first 21 three-point shots. So one for one tonight. They don't have to make their first 21, but more makes than misses would be fantastic. Atlanta Chinecki would hit one. Penzon out to Chinecki, three-point shot. Good boy, it's great to say that twice already. In the first quarter, they were two for three. They ended two for 13. Janaki 13 points on just 6 of 18 shooting. Again, it was the post players for the Bulls. Dulce Fankamengiadu, 11 points and 15 boards. Betty Manunga, 13 and 12. And oh, by the way, Manunga just named one of the 10 finalists for the Katrina McLean Award given to the best power forward in the country. That is a huge honor bestowed deservedly on Betty Menunga on Thursday. Still, it was not an easy game on Wednesday. Here are some extended highlights of the fourth quarter. Really, the third quarter is when it got dicey because Temple put up 19 points. Now, it would score just four in the fourth, four in the second, by the way. Mia Davis picked up her fourth foul late in the third, and that really behooved the Bulls, who saw a 28-17 halftime lead trimmed to one point, but answered back with two key buckets. That was really the key point of the game. As you know, Temple pushed the Bulls to overtime in Tampa, and this was headed in that direction as Anaya Gordine sank a three to make it 32-31. But Dulce Fankamengiadu and Elena Chinecki both determined to answer right back, and the Bulls had to lead back up to five. Definitely had some shaky moments, including, well, if you listen to the replay of the game, a three-on-one that resulted in no points for the Bulls, and then on the other end it went from should have been a seven-point game to three. But once it got to the fourth quarter, it was all Bulls. Here's how they salted it away, followed by my conversation with Jose Fernandez. Pins on, whips it over to Menunga baseline, tries to drive in on Perea, should have the height advantage. That's a tough shot, she scores! Betty Menunga was made to work by Karanda Perea. A Euro step and a lefty layup high off the glass makes it 43 to 38. Bulls end a long scoring drought and they lead by five with 5.40 to go in the quarter. Perea off the screen, that's a nice looking shot, but it's short. Harvey gets the rebound. Bulls hadn't scored since the 106 mark of the third quarter. Midway through the fourth quarter, Bulls leading at 43-38. It has been an offensively challenged quarter. And Mia Davis is ready to come back in as we hit the five-minute mark. Does Temple intentionally throw the ball out of bounds to get Davis back in? I'm kidding. Gordine's made a couple of threes, top of the key. Harvey stays out on her eight on the shot clock. They run an ISO. Manunga helps out. Harvey gets her hands in. Gordine looks to drive. Tough shot. And Guerrero pulls down the rebound. She's got a three-on-one. Guerrero with Harvey to her left, pins on to her right. And she tries a layup and misses. That is not what you do three on one. You gotta pass that ball. And I love Sarah, but now it's a three point game. Because Gordine drives to the basket, scoop 43 to 40. So mark that down, a three on one. Should have been a seven point game and instead it's 43 40 with Davis set to check back in. Less than four minutes to go. Chinecki guarding Gordine. Indeed, Chinecki came in for Guerrero. East back out there with Gordine, the two freshman guard. But of course, Davis is the one they're trying to get the ball into the hands of. Manunga with the defense on Davis, and it rims out. Mia, of course, was going to shoot that basket with three on the shot clock. So the Bulls, let's see if they can get a good look here. They've been trying to dump it inside, but it hasn't been clean in there. In fact, they're going to call the timeout. Pass to Chinecki. Mayo, good defender on her. That's a great crossover dribble, but Wood forces the turnover. Chinecki was headed off at the pass there. And it was a 6-3 player doing it. Kyra Wood 
Handoff to Davis. Monunga trying to get her to go left. She does, puts it on the deck, has to give it up. Mayo with eight on the shot clock. Behind her back dribble. They'll let her have that shot all day. No good. Into the corner, but Temple gets it. Monunga just sort of ran out of Steve. Davis misses the shot, and another rebound. Temple's Davis. Wild shot. Can the Bulls get the ball? Finally, they do. Temple screaming for a foul. Now it's a three-on-one. Chinecki bounce pass to Binzon. Bulls score! Wow. Temple had three looks, and Tanya Cordoza is absolutely fed up. Thought for sure that Mia Davis on the second putback attempt was fouled, and honestly, I don't disagree. The Bulls, after a okay start of 16 for 44, made just two of their next 15, but that pins on basket could be big in this one. Two minutes to go, and Temple doesn't have a great three-point shooter. Gordine's made a couple today. Perea's not out there. Wants to pull a three, Gordine wants to as well, has it, but Chinecki gets out on her five on the shot clock, 144 in the game, far away from the basket, two on the shot clock, it's down on the deck, and it's a 30-second violation! Pinzon, who started off the season 29 for 30. First free throw attempt of the night, no good, second one is good. Davis has to pick up her dribble over to Gordine, long three, looks good from my angle, but long. And the Bulls get it. Sydney Harvey up the court, across midcourt, and will call a timeout. Gets whacked. Now let's see if Pinzon can make a couple of free throws here. She has got six points, two assists. Her first assist gave her 500 for her career, third on the all-time mark, and she drains that foul shot. Bulls have not gotten to the line a whole ton, but way more than Temple. I'm sure these fans and Temple coaches are still to point that out. Eight for 10 as Pinzon sinks in both. Temple's two for three, incidentally. 48 to 40 with 30 seconds left. You know Gordine's gonna have to pull a three. The Bulls double teamer. And Betty Menunga holds the ball. That's Bulls possession. You can't boo that, fans. That was all good defense right there. That was a team knowing that Anaya Gordine was gonna pull up for a three. You can't go inside when you're down by eight and 27 seconds left. Gordine across midcourt, taking her sweet time. Now pulls up a three, looks short, and it is. Bulls can let it go out of bounds, but Dulcie grabs it in the corner, and I think Temple is going to say, we don't give a hoot anymore, because they are gonna let the Bulls run out the clock. Elisa Pinzon appropriately dribbles it out. She played the entire game in this one, and the Bulls get the 49-40 to 40 win. And with head coach Jose Fernandez, coach, you had to grind that one out. They came out hot in the second half, and. You held them to four points in the fourth quarter. I guess the defense won it for you again tonight. Yeah, we just, you know, we, we can, it was our defense, our defense and our rebounding. We just continue to shoot the ball so poorly until that changes, you know, we're, it, it's, you know, it's, it's awful. And I don't know what, you know, guys just had, you know, we went through it last game, we stayed positive, we got in, we yeah. worked, we got shots. But at one point or another, you got to step up and make shots. It's February. You missed those four threes in a row, and then Davis got the fourth foul. Did you have to just sort of say, let's just try and Yeah, it that's up? all. I, I go, I don't want, no one else is going to take a shot outside the paint. What about your next game, coach? That's a team that's tough to score against. What do uh, you got to do? Well, here's the thing. It, you got to make perimeter shots against that zone. Mm. And if we do not, it's going to be a long day for us on Sunday. And wrap it up with Pinzon playing the whole night for you, coach. 40 minutes. I know she didn't have the best statistical night, but was that good to see? It was. Must have been the new hairdo. Do you know who did that hair, by the way? I think Dulcie. 
She did a pretty good job. She did. Tell her not to change it. You got it. We'll see you. Jose Fernandez, we'll see you Sunday. And again, the game Sunday is a noon start, so tune in at 1145. We'll get you fully prepared for war. And oh yeah, with all that's going on, we also had Baseball Media Day. We'll sprinkle a lot of that audio in next week as the baseball season begins. But here's a little bit of head coach Billy Mole, as I knew I was going to get him to name his starting rotation more than a week before the season begins. Do you know who your rotation are? is, yes or no? And then would you like to tell us yet or no? <laughs> so all I can tell you is Jack Jasiak, Brad Lord, Hunter Mank, Orion Kirkering, and Jack Siebert are all vying for those spots right now. And however those pieces may fall on opening weekend, it will be one of those five guys in those three spots. We also talked to Roberto Pena and Jack Jasiak. Again, that audio coming your way next week. That's going to wrap it up for Bulls Beat on a Friday. Remember, softball this afternoon, all weekend long. Warren at four women's basketball. We'll have a busy Monday Bulls Beat to wrap it all up for you. We love doing it. Horns up.